Thanks, guys. Isn't that cool? Isn't that really neat to hear about stuff like that happening in our church? I think that's really cool. You know, in a second, or not in a second, in a few months, wrong again, in a few weeks, <laughs> we're going to be talking specifically about what it looks like to be a disciple, a church There's a family of disciple-making disciples. And one thing we're going to talk about, and just a little plug for it, is what does it look like? How will we know when we are a successful church? Something we're going to talk about. What does it look like to, to be a successful church? And we're going to talk about some of the marks of that. But one thing that I just want to point out, I think that that this is an example of, of success. I think that when we see, and again, obviously not just talking about it, but doing it like Ed has been doing it, and I know Tom Croft and many people in Carolina Preserve have been doing it, this is what it looks like to be a successful church. It's not about having, you know, 2,000 people, or it's not about, you know, having a podcast with 1,000 downloads or something like that. It's about, it's about trusting, loving, and obeying Jesus, and it's about, yeah, being, being salt and light. So, yeah, let's keep thinking. If, if, this would be a good chance for you. You know, maybe you hear what Ed was sharing and you think, well, I mean, I'd love to help. I'd love to serve, but that's just not my gift. Well, this would be a great chance. That's, that's okay, obviously. This would be a great chance for you to think, well, how has God equipped you to serve the, the people around you? Just like God laid this ministry on Ed's heart, what might he be laying on, on your heart? And how could you involve more people in the, in the church to be? to be a part of that and to come alongside with you as you're, as you're serving God and serving others too. Well, this is the first week. We finished the Ten Commandments. This is our first week in what's really an eight-part series that's called Who Are We? Who Are We? And I, I want to ask you a question, and I just want you to take a couple seconds to think about, to think about this question, just kind of to, to yourself. What are some things that people have said about you that stick in your mind? What are, what are some ways, I wonder if I could say it this way, what are some ways that people have, have named you over the course of your life? What are some ways people have described you that have shaped the way you think about yourself? Okay, what comes to your mind when I ask that question? You know, for me, from the time I was really little, uh, my parents, they loved me and they were always very encouraging. One thing that I heard my parents say a lot in various different ways is, Ryan, you, you're just so talented. And you're, you know, sports and you're making good grades and, and wow, you're, you're, so, you're so talented. And that makes me feel really good. It makes me feel really good to think that my parents believe I'm, I'm talented. It makes me think, yeah, I am. I mean, I do enjoy doing this. And yeah, I'm glad I can, I can be good at a few different things. And, you know, maybe for you, you've heard people say your parents or friends or a spouse or, or somebody around you, a coworker, a coach, a teacher, whatever, say things about you, say, hey, you know, you're so, you're so loving or you're so, you're so pretty or, or you're so, you're so hardworking, and they've, they've labeled you, they've named you like that. But there's also a lot of ways, and if we're being honest, these are the ones that kind of stick in our head a little bit more, are the ones that are, that are negative, right? 
you know, I remember, and it happened several times for me, but one time, and this is a really silly example, um, but I remember when I was in middle school, I was like in seventh or eighth grade, and uh, I was on, this was back in South Carolina when I lived there, and I was on this like youth group trip type thing. We were in a 15-passenger van, and we were coming back from like a water park or something, and uh and this this kid that I didn't really even know, we're just kind of talking and stuff. And this kid this kid looks at me, and again, this is so silly. He he says, um, he, he says, you must not get many girls, do you? Because <laughs> you ask too many questions. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure how many girls he was getting. Um, as a as a sixth grader, um, and, uh, but uh, but but it is a silly example. But there are multiple times where people said things to me. I remember I had a teacher one time when I was like in third grade that got mad at me in front of the whole class, and she was like, "Ryan, just stop asking me so many questions." And I, yeah, I am somebody that likes to ask a lot of questions, and it has at different points gotten on people's nerves. I'm thankful it didn't prevent me from from getting married. <laughs> But um, what, what for, for you, what are those things that people, take a second to think about this. What are some of those ways that people have named you, that people have labeled you throughout your life? Have they said that you're, maybe they said that you're, you're pretty, or maybe they said that you're ugly. Maybe they said that you're too scrawny. Maybe they said that you're too fat. Maybe they said that you're, that you're smart. Maybe they've said that you're stupid. Maybe they've said, you know, we, we, love, we love you so much. Maybe they've said, we hate you. How are those ways that people have named you? What have people said about you over the course of your life? Because, guys, this, this really has an impact on us, doesn't it? Don't these things really impact the way we, we see ourselves? You know, and what, what happens is the things people have said about us, it comes together with our experiences, comes together with different, different things in our life, our relationships and other things, and it forms, it forms our identity. It forms our identity. Identity basically just means, my self-identity basically just means, how do I view myself? Who do I think I am? Am I the, the talented guy or am I the annoying question asker that can't get a date guy? <laughs> and who we believe that we are, how we view ourselves, it affects how we live, doesn't it? It doesn't affect how we live. Who you think you are affects the way you act. So, for example, if you think, you know, if and this might seem extreme, but... For, for some of us, this might be our story. If you think that you're a no good piece of trash, then you're going to act like a no good piece of trash. It might be hard for you to be motivated, to make good choices, to be responsible. After all, I'm just a, I'm, I'm worthless anyway, so who cares? Right? On the other hand, if you, if your identity if you have based your identity on, I'm smarter and harder working and more successful than everybody else. If that's your identity, well, you're likely going to be pretty impatient with people. 
because, you know, I can do these things. I can work this hard. So if they're not as successful as me, well, that's their fault. I'm better than them. And that will lead you to treat people in a way that is haughty, in a way that's impatient. And if somebody gets in your way, you know, you might just kind of bulldoze them. After all, you're better than them because you're smarter, you're more successful, you're more valuable, right? So identity is a big part of what shapes our feelings, it shapes our actions, and it shapes our relationships, doesn't it? Does that make sense? So what we're talking about for the next, the next four weeks, this week and the next three weeks, we're, we're going to ask the question, we're, the next four weeks is going to be called biblical identity, okay, biblical identity. And what we're asking is, how does, how does God view me? How does God view you? Okay, you know, my parents might think I'm, I'm talented or my, you know, this person might think I'm annoying or, or, or whatever. What does God say about me? Who does God say that I am? And how does that affect my life? How does that affect my relationships? How does that affect the way I speak, the way I act? How does it affect my family? How does it affect my life? Okay, so th the first one we're going to look at today, and I want you can go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start right at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. So in Genesis chapter 1, we're going we're gonna to be looking, okay, when God creates human beings, what does he say about us? Does he say, wow, you're so talented? Does he say, you could lose some weight? Does he say, you asked too many questions? What does he say about human beings when he creates them? And, and, and we're going to be working to try to renew our minds, like Paul tells us in Romans 12, by, by soaking in and by really marinating in what God says about us. And hopefully that will start slowly to, to change our self-image from something that's worldly based on what our parents say or what other people say or what social media says or whatever to what God says. Okay, so how does God describe us in Genesis chapter 1? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, the first thing that we're going to see that we're going to talk about today is God describes us as human beings who are made in the image of God. Okay, we are, who are we? Who are you? Who am I? Who is, who is your neighbor? We are human beings who are made in the image of God. Okay, so let me go ahead and I'll, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize the first uh, few verses, the first 25 verses of, of Genesis chapter 1, and then we're going to dive in a little bit more to verses 26 and 27, okay? So, on, on the first day, on the first day, God created what? He created the light. And God said that the light was, was what? It was good. On the second day, God created the sky. And God said that the sky was what? He said it was, it was good. I'm glad it's there. Good sky. All right, on the third day, God created the trees, the plants, and the flowers, and he said that it was what? He said it was good. Um, on the fourth day, God created the, the sun, the moon, the stars, and it was what? It was good. On the fifth day, he creates the fish, he creates the birds, and said it was 
It was good. And then we get to the sixth day. And let's look at what happens on the sixth day. Okay, so on the sixth day, first God creates the animals. And then in verse 26, look at that with me. This is in Genesis 1, verse 26. And then God said, okay, so this is if you're watching a movie, this is where the, the, the dramatic music kind of picks up a little bit. This is where the camera kind of zooms in. You can tell God's really excited about this next thing he's going to do. Okay. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, so who are we? We are human beings who were made in the image of God. Okay, so what does this mean? Well, first of all, as human beings made in the image of God, we are, and listen to this, we are the climax of God's creation. We are the climax of God's creation. Remember a second ago we said, you know, how does God describe Mount Everest? It's good. How does God describe, you know, the, the beach? It's good. How does God describe tigers? They're good. Okay, how does God describe people? Well, look with me. Let's keep reading here. So he, he says to them, and God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. In verse, that's in verse 29. And every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. So you have something to eat. And then verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has breath of life, I have given I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Okay, now listen to this, because this, this is the kind of the, the real climactic moment. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was, it was very good. And then there was evening and there was morning, and that was the sixth day. Okay, so the sunrise is good. Tigers are good. You know, uh, blue whales are good, right? But, but you, you are very good. You are made in the image of God. There's something about when human beings come on the scene that changes God's creation. It was beautiful before. It was awesome to look at before. It was good before. But when human beings come on the scene... It becomes very good. It becomes very good. Okay, so because we're, we're image bearers, we're made in the image of God, this means that we have, it means that we have two things, okay? We have a unique role, and we also have unique value. As image bearers of God, we have a unique role in his creation, and we also have a unique value 
within his creation. Okay, let's talk about both of those. Let's talk about our unique role, first of all. Look with me back at verse 26. Look at what God, you know, we, we've talked about the way God, um, the, the way he evaluates mankind. He says we're, we're very good. Okay, but what does he tell us to do? What job has he given us? What is our role? Um, because for the, you know, for the, the fish and the, the birds and for the, um, for, the, uh, for the animals and the creepy ones and the runner, all that stuff, uh, he tells them to be fruitful and multiply, have a lot of babies, right? But look at what he says to, to us. He says, he made us in, in his image after his likeness. And then he says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over every and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then if you skip down to verse 28, he says, go have a lot of babies, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And then he says, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what is our unique role? God, he made the universe and then he put us in charge of it. Okay, he made the universe and then what you expect is, okay, God created the universe, so he's going to come down and he's going to, you know, rule in bodily form, right? Well, no. God, he, he sets everything up, and then he creates man and woman in his image to be like him, and he says, hey, I want you to rule over my creation in my place. So God has put us, he's made us, rulers of his creation. He's told us to, to rule over creation and to subdue it. Okay, so when God started creation, it was just, it was dark and it was formless and it was chaotic. Okay, no order. And God starts to bring order out of chaos. And all of a sudden you have the light and you have the waters above and the waters below. And then you have the, the, the sea being gathered and you have the dry land and you have life starting to spring up and you have all these types of things. And so human beings, we're supposed to rule over, to have dominion over the earth and we're supposed to subdue it, which means we're supposed to tame it. We're supposed to make it inhabitable, not just for us, but also for the animals. We're supposed to, to make it a, a more ordered, a better and better place. Okay, because God brings order out of chaos, and so that's what, that's what we do too. Whether it's unclogging somebody's toilet, whether it's, uh, helping, a, uh, it's helping a business um, kind of get their finances together, whether it's teaching kids how to do math, um, we, we bring order out of, out of chaos. Okay, so that's our unique role. But we also have a unique value. Okay, um, let's see. Turn with me, just real quick here, turn with me to Genesis chapter 9. Okay, I told you we'd kind of be going back and forth to different parts of the book of Genesis. And so look at Genesis chapter 9. This is right after the flood. Right after the flood, uh, so God has destroyed every living thing, um, animals and people, other than those that were saved in the ark. And then, um, yeah, in chapter 9, verse 5. Okay, so, so God tells them something that's, you know, that... that that I, I'm thankful for, he says that, that now before he gave the plants to us to eat, and then after the flood in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 9, he says, well, now you can eat the animals too, <laughs> okay? Um, so he allows them to take the life of the animals and to, and to eat the meat. But look at what he says in, in, verse, in verse 5. He says, and for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. 
So he's not talking about the animals, he's talking about the people. So you, you might think, okay, all right, so now we can, now it's okay to, to eat the animals. They probably were already, um, but now it's okay to eat the animals. Well, what about, you know, what about Will? Can I eat Will? <laughs> I'm going to really teach people not to sit in the front. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I eat Lindsay? Well, well, well no. <laughs> Don't get carried away, God says. He says, from your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. So he's saying, you can't, you can't just take the life of, of a human being, okay? Like you can't an animal. Well, why not? In verse 6, he says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Well, why? For God made man in his own image. Okay, so human beings, we have a unique value. God says that because we are made in his image, that we, we shouldn't murder each other. It's not murder to, to take an animal's life. Obviously, you know, we shouldn't be cruel to animals, but it's not murder to take an animal's life and to, and to eat meat, but it's murder to unjustly take a human life because man was made in, in God's image. Okay, so we talked about our unique role to rule over God's creation and our unique value, which is that we are image bearers of God. Well, how does this impact our lives? Well, we, we talked about before how um, we talked about before how if you if you see yourself, you know, if you think you're a piece of crap, then you're gonna act like it. Okay? If you think that you're the best person in the world, well, you're gonna act like it. Well, how does this, how does knowing that I, that you, that we are image bearers of God who are uniquely called and uniquely valuable, how does this affect the way, the way we live? And also, how does this affect the way I view other people? Because it's not just me. It's not just Christians. It's everybody. It's my, it's my boss that, 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 that treats me poorly. He's made in the image of God, or she's made in the image of God. It's that person who cuts me off in traffic. They're made in the image of God. It's that politician that I don't like. It's that person that, that did that terrible thing to me that one time. It's those people that are, that are calling me bad names on social media. Okay, they're all made in the image of God too, so how does this affect our lives? Okay, well, because we're made in the image of God, this is who we are. This is the foundation for our identity. So. If I'm putting my identity in, I'm Ryan, and I'm talented, I'm good at basketball, you know, I'm good at, I'm good at whatever, or I have a lot of money, or, you know, I'm in my, in my talents or my abilities or in my status, well, how am I going to feel? I'm going to probably feel kind of scared, because what if one day, what if one day I, I lose my talents? What if I lose my money? If my identity is in, oh, people say I'm, people just love being around me. People say I'm just such a good friend. Well, what happens one day when there's conflict? Well, your identity just, it, it just crumbles and it feels like you're dying. And that's why if you, when, when some people will share about emotional trauma in relationships and, and, it, and they'll say, you know, rightfully so, it feels like I'm dying. It feels like when that person says that to me that, I, that it's, it's, like, it's like a death. 
And, and it kind of is if that's where your identity is based because they're taking away who you are. You know, I'm the person who, you know, I'm the person who has the most money. Well, I've lost my money. Well, now I've, do I still exist? If I do, who am I? Okay, well, I'm the person that, you know, that does this particular job. Okay, well, I've retired now. Well, who, who am I? Do I, I mean, what's my value, right? But on the other hand, if my value is that I am, I am very good, I am not very good because I might be very talented, but that's not what makes me very good. I might be really good at my job, but that's not what makes me very good. I might be this annoying person that asks too many questions, but that doesn't change the fact that I am very good. I might be, you know, to this or to that, but, I, but God says that I am like him, and so I am very good. And what that does is it gives us this anchor where we can, we're not just, we're not just going through life getting tossed back and forth by everything that anybody says and, and just getting jerked around by people's opinions about us. Because if we know what God says, let God be true and let every man be a liar, right? You know, you, you might think I'm a jerk. You might think I'm terrible, but God loves me. God says I'm very good. He says that I am a valuable image bearer in his family that has an important role to play. So that's who I am. So you can't, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what happens to me physically or, or in my job or whatever, you can't take that away because it was given to me, not because of something I worked for or something I did, but God gave it to me when, when he made me. Okay, so that's the first one, how it affects the way we view ourselves. Well, how does it affect the way we view others? Well, in Matthew 25, in Matthew 25, Jesus is, he's teaching his disciples about what's going to happen at the end of, of the age, at the end of the age when he comes back and he's going to judge people. And in Matthew 25, he says that he separates people between the, the, the sheep and the, and the, the goats. And, uh, and he says to, he says to the people that are, well, I think it's the, the sheep and the and the coats. <laughs> um, he, and he says to him, he says to the people on his right hand, he says, um, you know, you, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. My toilet was clogged and you helped me get it unclogged. <laughs> right? And, and, and the people, they say, Jesus, we, we've never, you know, we've never, we've never seen you, Trust me, if Jesus was walking around naked, that would have really been, people would have known about that. We haven't seen you naked. When did we ever see you naked and clothe you? When did we ever see you hungry and give you bread? When were you ever, and, and Jesus said, what does he say? He says, as you have done to thee, the least of these, my brothers, or my brothers and sisters, so you have done to, to me. And in the same way, the people that are, that are on his left hand, he says, you know, depart from me because I was hungry and you didn't give me food. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison. You didn't come to visit me. And they said, Jesus, we've never seen, you, we, we never have seen you 
you know, hungry and, and, and not fed you. We've, you know, we've, we've always gone to church. We've always read our Bibles. You know, we've always cared about that. And Jesus says, as you have not done to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have not done to me. So what's going on there? What Jesus is saying is that because human beings are made in his image, in the image of God, the way you, you know, you, you could say, as you have, the, the same way when, when we treat our family members in a bad way, we're treating Jesus in a bad way. You think about that annoying neighbor that you have or that person that you just can't get along with or, or people that are very poor or people that don't have much. The way we treat them is the way we're treating Jesus, okay? Um, in a few weeks, we're going to have, I don't know how many of y'all know uh, Fong Ho um, or have heard his story. Lindsay and I got to have, uh, to have dinner with him and his family a few weeks ago. And um, it's just, I, I won't step on it too much. Um, I won't talk about the pirates that are involved, which there are pirates. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, but, but it's, this, it's this amazing story of, of, of a refugee coming over to, to America and having having nothing and going through incredible hardship and then and then God used a couple some uh, some Christians to show love to him and to help him get his feet under him and to help him kind of learn how to live in in America and and, and we're going to talk about the opportunities that we have to whether it's refugees or whether it's um, elderly people that need help around their house, or whether it's people that are lonely and need somebody to talk to, whatever it is, because if we really do believe that we're made in the image of God, and that they're made in the image of God, then we should love them, we should serve them, just like we serve Jesus, okay? Well, I'm really excited to keep talking about this idea of identity. We're going to keep walking through Genesis 1 and look at the other ways that God describes humanity. I ask you to really be praying that God would help us to see ourselves the way, the way he sees us and to see each other the way he sees us too. Okay, well, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, we love you and we thank you for dying for us. We thank you for creating us in your image and after your likeness. God, thank you for giving us the amazing, incredible privilege and responsibility to rule over your creation. God, please show us how, show us how to do that. Please show us how to treat each other. I pray for, for myself and for my brothers and sisters that are here that you'd give us, even this week, give us opportunities to, to show love, to show kindness to, to people that are the least of these, to people that need it. Um, I, I pray that you would use Ed and you'd use the, the Helping Hand ministry. I pray you'd use all the other things that are going on in this church. Let us incarnate Christ to our community that's around us. And we love you and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys. Um, that's the end of our service today. We love you. We hope you have a, a great week. So go in the power of, of the Holy Spirit, and we can't wait to see you next week.